Welcome to the GSI Briefing Podcast. I am your host, Regina Ajia, President of the Garden State Initiative. This episode features two leading voices on the subject of New Jersey's inheritance tax. First up is Seton Hall Professor Dr. Danielle Zanzalari, followed by Sharif Mohammed, the founder and CEO of Unlimited Financial Group. Dr. Zanzalari has made her way back to her alma mater, Seton Hall University, from the University of North Texas, Dallas, where she taught many classes as an assistant professor of economics. Prior to that, she worked as the vice president of credit and portfolio risk at Citigroup and as a financial economist at the Federal Reserve Bank of Boston. Sharif Mohammed is the founder of Unlimited Financial Group, which provides a wide array of accounting, tax, insurance, and financial planning services. Sharif himself has over 26 years of professional experience in all these areas and is a lifelong resident of New Jersey. Mr. Mohammed earned his degree in economics from NYU and was also a captain of the varsity men's fencing team. He holds two master's degrees, one in finance from NYU and an MS in taxation from Rutgers Business School. Now, here are my conversations with Dr. Danielle Zanzalari and Sharif Mohammed. Welcome, Professor Zanzalari. Great to have you with us on GSI Briefing. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here today. You authored a report discussing New Jersey's inheritance tax and is titled Friendly Fire, Unintended Consequences of New Jersey's Death Tax. That sounds ominous, so first, maybe. A lot of listeners are probably not familiar with this tax. Can you give our listeners a simple description of it? Sure. The inheritance tax has been around in New Jersey since 1892, so it's been around for quite a while. And the state is going to levy a tax upon a person's assets when they die, depending on who they leave these assets to. And so in my report, um, I actually talk a lot about who is hurt by this tax, and it is a lot more people than the rich. And so people think that this tax only affects the rich, and that is absolutely not the case. And it creates a lot of economic inefficiencies in our state. And I would think, too, with modern lifestyles, including cohabitation and couples deciding not to have children and so on, that this seems like a bit stuck in the past. So maybe an example will help bring this into perspective. Let's say I've never married and I worked my entire life. And being somewhat frugal, I've accumulated a home and the New Jersey average home value is about $330,000 and a car, about $20,000, let's say, and some other personal items, including, you know, personal items like jewelry. So my total estate is now worth $400,000. So, Danielle, if I wanted to leave all that to my favorite niece, how would these assets be treated for her? So if someone wanted to give away their assets to their niece or even a cousin, they would have to pay an inheritance tax of 11 to 16% on any amount over $500. So in the case of $400,000, that would mean that 399,500 of it is taxed at 15%. So the niece would have to pay about $60,000 in tax. And the interesting thing here is that who pays a tax depends upon the relationship a descendant has with the beneficiary. So if someone dies and leaves money to their children or their spouse or even their parents, they don't have to pay an inheritance tax. But if they leave money to their siblings, right, these are people that 
the person dying has known for probably the longest amount of period in their life, or even a niece, they have to pay this tax. So it's almost like the state is saying that certain relationships are not close enough. And then any assets that you pass on to these people must be taxed. And of course, this kind of presents a moral question of why the state taxes people who they don't deem close enough kin. And it feels a bit antiquated. While there's moral objections here, I actually don't tackle this question, although right, these moral objections seem very, very obvious, as you pointed out. I focus on the economic inefficiencies in my report. Well, that's interesting, Danielle. Uh, economic inefficiencies. Maybe you could say a bit more about that for the audience. So in my report, I discussed that people who die unexpectedly are less likely to have a plan for their money than those who um, have a longer illness and can pre-plan. Economic research shows that if you have an illness lasting a few months to a few years, you can reduce your estate by 15 to 20% pre-planning. So this tax can, you know, really hurts those that just die unexpectedly, which happen to be younger people. In addition, people with illiquid assets like properties, you know, people might have to sell the property in order to fund the tax. So for example, if someone is giving away a million dollar business property, that means that, you know, possibly a beneficiary might have to pay $160,000 in taxes to the state of New Jersey. And most people probably don't have that amount of cash on hand. So they're going to have to sell that property quickly in order to pay for the tax. And that might not be conducive to that beneficiary to sell in that time period. Maybe they're going to have to take a much smaller price or lower price for that property. Also, the report touches on a number of other things related to business owners. People choose to retire earlier and sell their business when they know that there's an inheritance tax. And so obviously having a reduction in businesses lowers and hurts economic growth in our state. And then a lot of beneficiaries actually begin to start businesses with inherited money. So if they're inheriting less money because they have to pay for a tax, it also indirectly affects entrepreneurship. Sure. And of course, you know, GSI, uh, as you know, works a lot in this category of what creates economic growth and what's positive for the state. And we also frequently look at other states and what they've been doing. So what's been the trend in other states on this tax? So Iowa eliminated their inheritance tax in 2021 and they're phasing it out over a four-year period. Nebraska also recently passed a bill this February in 2022 to lower their inheritance tax rate. This is due to wanting to compete with their neighbor, Iowa. And also they have a lot of farms there, and this really affects a lot of farmers who leave property to descendants. And you know it's really hard to pay a tax on a property because if you need to fund $60,000 worth of tax, and you don't have that in cash, you might have to sell that property. So this really actually hurts a lot of people in Nebraska. And New Jersey's in a similar you know, situation, actually, because we have about 9,000 farms here. And most people, their primary asset is their home. So it's not just farmers or states that have a lot of farming, even though New Jersey has that, that are affected. I guess, Danielle, you, know, uh, you mentioned Iowa and Nebraska. They're the most recent ones. But as I recall, there aren't many states that have this tax. Is that right? That's correct. There's only about five states that have this, but I was recently the one that has eliminated this tax. It's trending, uh, obviously, away from use of this because, as you say, number one, it's burdensome to individuals who have hard assets. 
not the cash available to pay the tax. And frankly, the question about whether it's legitimate to tax certain individuals and not tax other individuals for the same property when it's passed from one generation to another, because you may or may not have you know, children or parents that meet the definition that the state has now applied. So anyway, I guess this is just one more notch against our state, right? When residents choose not only where to live, but also where they want to die. Um, so it's an interesting uh, evaluation, I think, uh, all parts of our lives and how this affects it. So Danielle, let's go back to the big picture to finish up our conversation. I imagine it's difficult to know how many people ended up paying this tax each year. We can see, however, that the state is expected to collect $500 million just in this year from this tax. As context for our listeners, that's more than the casinos generated for the state. That's more than our tobacco tax generated for New Jersey. And it's about the same as the real estate transfer tax. That's the tax that everyone has to pay when you sell your own home. So anyway, this revenue from the inheritance tax goes into what's known as the general fund. So it's somewhere buried in the almost $49 billion state budget. So Danielle, what recommendations might you have for anybody in New Jersey who wants to do something about this inheritance tax? Bring up a really good point, Regina. This tax is notoriously unreliable in budgeting. For example, inheritance tax revenues from January 2020 to January 2021 increased by 39%. A lot of this is due to a lot of deaths early in the pandemic. But even in this past year, from 2021 to 2022, it was forecasted to be 8% higher, and it's almost 19% higher. And I find probably the most telling sign of how unreliable this tax is, is that the Department of Treasury is forecasting inheritance taxes will be 14% lower in 2022. Yet Governor Murphy, in his budget proposal, it shows a 7% increase. So you have inaccurate and completely different directions of what's forecasted this year in our own New Jersey state government. So it's really difficult to predict what this tax is gonna be. And so it's not really a reliable way to budget. And it's super economically inefficient as it alters people's behavior. As I mentioned before, people might have to sell property in order to pay this tax. It decreases business ownership and entrepreneurship. Um, it encourages people to seek tax avoidance strategies. People are moving because of this. You know, New Jersey has rated on the where not to die list on Forbes. And Kiplinger rated New Jersey as the least tax-friendly state for retirees. So, you know, this tax is very unfavorable to New Jersey residents. So I think the recommendation would be New Jersey needs to, you know, eliminate this tax. And one of the ways they could do that is similar to Iowa and phase out this inheritance tax to maybe better prepare for loss in tax revenue. But it's pretty clear that New Jersey has not forecasted this tax revenue very well, and they're not even in the same direction this year. In fact, since you brought Iowa back up again, I just wanted to go back to that for a minute because if I recall correctly, in your report, you talk about the average income of those individuals who are paying this tax. Um, can you talk about that for a minute? Yeah, a study in Iowa showed that the adjusted gross income of the people paying this inheritance tax is $80,000 or below. So over 90% of the inheritance taxes were paid by people that were either lower class or lower middle class in Iowa. So this is not a tax that necessarily affects the very wealthy in any state. It actually affects everyday people within a state. And these are the individuals, um, you know, we're, we're also talking to uh, tax advisors, you know, with uh, this report, and a lot of them indicate that they don't have tax advisors, right? And they don't have individuals to, you know, give them 
um, some tactics and techniques to be able to think about this before their death and their um, and their will. It's almost a hidden tax until the individual passes. So it's, a, it's an important thing. I think I really appreciate you, Danielle, writing this report and helping us really educate all of our listeners about what this is about and what they have to think about as they plan their estates. So thanks for being with us today, Danielle. Thanks again, Regina, for having me on. It's always a pleasure. Well, thanks for joining the GSI briefing, Sharif. We're anxious to hear from you. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be a part of the program. So for our audience, Sharif, your firm, you're located here in New Jersey, and you've been in the field for how many years? I've been in the field for over 26 years. I've been a self-employed business owner for going on 13 years now. And I imagine you have a range of clients and offer advice on estate planning, among other subjects. So, Sharif, can you share how much your discussion with, with clients include New Jersey's inheritance tax, including, if you would, the difference between inheritance tax and what some might recall as a now eliminated estate tax? As part of our general services that we provide to clients, some firms are more transactional in the things that they do. But what we um, pride ourselves on doing is educating our clients as well as empowering them to be educated consumers when they're engaging in the process of planning. And as a part of that planning process, you know, we discuss estate planning and You know, just to keep things very simplistic for the audience, you know, we look as estate planning simply as being the um, orderly transfer of assets in accordance with the wish of the client in the event of death, you know, severe disability, or when a client experiences the inability to care for themselves. So when we're discussing things like estate planning, you know, we're talking about the transfer of assets typically upon death. And there's two types of taxes, as you alluded to. The estate tax is referred to a tax that is levied upon the entire market value of assets that one owns at the point of their death. As you alluded to, also, that tax in New Jersey has been repealed. It's it's no longer applicable. On the federal level, it's still applicable, but the threshold is fairly high, um, well over $11 million per person, which doesn't affect a significant amount of you know, the general population. And then New Jersey also is one of the few states that still has what they call an inheritance tax. An inheritance tax is more a function of a transfer of assets from one's estate to certain individuals based on the relationship. And that relationship can be direct generational ties or issue in um, legally speak which means going to children, grandchildren, whether by blood or by um, law. So that also includes children that are adopted or stepchildren and things of that nature. And then there's also other relationships, including siblings, um, nieces and nephews, aunts and uncles, cousins, significant others, dear, dear friends, and so on and so forth. And each one of these relationships are classified at the state level. And depending on that classification, 
there may be a tax that's levied on any assets that are transferred from one's estate to these specific classes. And the tax threshold can begin at assets with a value as low as $500, which tends to create some shocks and issues for family members who are not only dealing with the loss of a loved one, but now they have to deal with the prospect of um, paying an unforeseen tax on an heirloom or, or other asset that is being transferred out of the, you know, love and um, affection of that dearly departed loved one. And as you say, it's a pretty uh, broadly impacting because the threshold, I think you said was $500, right? Anything above value of $500, it's left to someone who is, as you say, a sibling, a niece, nephew, dear friend, with anyone, right, is going to get uh, this tax applied to it. So it's a um, something that everyone needs to you know learn about as they're you know thinking ahead. And Sharif, you've read the report we just published. It's entitled "GSI's Friendly Fire: Unintended Consequences of New Jersey's Death Tax," and it talks about, as you mentioned, there's only a few states that even have this tax. So, at a more general level, what are you hearing, and I guess how are you advising your clients? on how to compare staying in New Jersey versus other states from a taxation perspective? What we do, you know, generally is looking at what the cash flow income situation looks like for most of our retirees. And we look at the tax schemes of of the state. You know, we do have conversations about what are the impacts of moving out of this state. And and as a part of that consideration, we do say, hey, when you move out of this state, you know, depending on where you're going, you may have um, prospects of having a lower tax situation or in the case where it's applicable, you know, the inheritance tax may or may not be applicable to them as well. You know, generally when we're talking about the inheritance tax, you know, we're, we're generally looking at assets that tend to be illiquid, you know, so we're, we're, we're looking, we're talking about real estate or a um, vacation home. So unless they're looking to liquidate that property as well as move, it's hard for them to avoid the inheritance tax. So typically what we're trying to do is say, hey, this is the situation, especially based on their desires on how they want their assets to be distributed to potential heirs if those heirs are not, you know, of direct issue or direct familial lineage, um, meaning children, grandchildren of the sort. Those are the basic class that are exempt from the inheritance tax. But if, let's say, they have siblings that they want to leave property to or they have you know, a beloved niece or nephew or um, other family member, which they've had close relationships. It could be, you know, a niece or nephew where the sibling had died. So essentially in all, you know, intents and purposes, that per- that person was like a-, a son or daughter to them, but they never went through the process of legally adopting them. That's where you, you would find that this situation can become a little sticky. And that's where we need to um, have conversations about estate planning in the lights of, you know, moving the assets into trust, something to avoid probate so that we can um, potentially avoid the inheritance tax. But, you know, again, the whole, the whole scheme of it is we incorporate, 
you know, recognition and education about the inheritance tax. And when a client is contemplating whether it's to move out of the state to avoid the tax, we discuss that. But like I said, in a situation that we, what we typically see when we're advising clients, we're dealing with real estate. And if the real estate is still based in New Jersey, even if they move, they're still, you know, dealing with that inheritance tax issue unless they liquidate the asset beforehand. Right, because the asset is here in the state. Yeah. And you alluded to, and we don't want to get too much into it, but there are tactics, uh, as you say, um, trusts and uh, revocable and irrevocable um, trusts that, that can be set up to try and, I guess the right word would be, a transition an asset to the individual without it getting caught up uh, in the probate, as you described. So that's a great to talk to advisors right, about, about those kind of options. Those are generally vehicles to remove the asset from the estate at the time of death. So maybe um, since I brought up the more general advice you're offering, and right now, I mean, it is uh, April as we're speaking, and we're getting into tax season right now. And the inheritance tax, of course, is paid all year round. It is not something that happens in April. But I thought since, Sharif, we were lucky enough to have you on right now, maybe you could share some ideas for our listeners, how they can learn more about personal estate planning, and particularly in order to understand beneficiaries, like what kind of resources are really available? If you're unfamiliar with the resources in your community, visit your local library, visit your senior center. Also, um, take a visit to your county um, surrogate office. Those are great places where um, there's a lot of free resources on booklets on um, initial estate planning to discuss the issues because what we find, especially with the inheritance tax, most of the clients that have financial means or are savvy enough, um, they engage the professionals to help them, you know, be aware of these issues and how to, you know, mitigate the effect, the, the, the adverse effects from these issues. The people who generally get tangled up in this is some of our, um, I say, our Main Street clientele, our Main Street um, investors who, you know, work a very um, hard, honest life. They they acquire um, assets for family, but in their minds, their estate situation is simple, right? I, I have life insurance that's that's already um, signed off to to my husband or wife. I have retirement assets with beneficiary designations, all considered non-probate. But what generally happens is there's a number of things that falls through the cracks. There's that 67 Mustang that, you know, dad loves that, um, you know, he spent a fortune, um, you know, rebuilding and, and he, he never, you know, designated an heir for it or there's that summer house that um, the family has enjoyed throughout the years. And, you know, let's say through one reason or another, children predeceased, uh, a decedent, and, and there's no spouse, and there's, you know, scores of nieces and nephews and other loved ones or very close family friends or cousins who um, would, you know, love to, to enjoy the asset, but now there's tax on it. And, you know, and, and now family members either have to scramble to come up to pay the tax, or unfortunately, they have to liquidate the asset, you know, and and, and that's that goes um, far and beyond um, away from what the tax was ever intended to do. It was more intended to you know make sure that assets weren't circumvented from the regular tax purview 
of people of, you know, significant means of moving assets around to various family members, but it was never meant to, um, you know, penalize and be a regressive tax on, you know, the everyday, honest, hardworking um, family and individuals. Yeah. Yes, and, and you're right. Uh, I guess two things I just want to go back and emphasize. One is your final point there that this has become much more of a regressive tax. In fact, uh, in the report, the author of the report does cite that in another state, the average income of those paying this tax, or 90% of the people paying this tax, have income under $80,000 because of all those examples you used, right, of things that were unintended, caught up in this whole process. So uh, thanks for making that point and helping make that point. And everybody needs to really think about this. And then lastly, you reminded us of the surrogate's office. Each county has a, a surrogate and they provide uh, plenty of, as you say, information as well as advice, I'm sure, about how to find out even more information about planning for uh, your assets uh, in your estate. So terrific reminders, Sharif. I really appreciate that. Your expertise is is wonderful to help us understand not just the inheritance tax, but you know, general thinking about planning for our assets and who and how we want those to transition. So again, um, I'll just offer uh, anything else you'd like to um, you know share with the audience before we uh, close out the conversation. I would definitely say that you know, obviously, the issue of unexpected circumstances is pretty much what's on display here. So, you know, I always encourage families. I know it may seem a little unorthodox, but when when you get together for Thanksgiving, when you get together during the holidays, you know, it doesn't hurt to take the time out to sit down with a loved one, especially, you know, a a matriarch or a patriarch, and have not an in-depth conversation, but discuss, is there a plan in place Who's the professionals that you're working with? Is there someone that we need to call if something happens? You know, just keeping people in the loop with, you know, not. I know sometimes the family and finances is a taboo subject, but, you know, a little bit of communication, you know, earlier on can save, you know, tens of thousands of dollars and headaches and, you know, unnecessarily um, family um, discord. So I would I would definitely say that's the one thing that I would I would impress upon the audience. And, you know, communication is is the key in a lot of relationships. Yes, please use utilize it here. Definitely. Well, Sharif Mohammed, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with the GSI briefing podcast uh, audience. And we'll love to have you back on again as we keep exploring other tax issues. So thanks for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. The GSI Briefing is produced by the Garden State Initiative. For more information about GSI, visit us at gardenstateinitiative.org and be sure to follow us on social media. Don't forget to subscribe to the GSI Briefing on the podcast platform of your choice. And please leave us a good rating. This is Regina Agia, and thank you for listening.